Have you ever read a book and thought to yourself, I could explain this to someone else, but maybe there's a few things that I want explained back to me. I'll be sitting down with authors, thought leaders, visionaries. I'm your host, Josh Lipstone. This is Explain This Book to Me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Josh Lipstone, and this is Explain This Book to Me. Today is book two, episode four, and I'm joined today by the author of the book, The Extra Two Minutes, David Carruthers. Welcome back to the podcast, David. How have the last 24 hours been (laughs) since we last talked? They have been fantastic, Josh. Thanks for asking. Good, good. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Looks like you've had a lot of good stuff going on right now with the uh, new house and all oh, that. Oh, yes. Yes, it was a uh it was a process. It was a process. Um the advantages of being an insurance agent when you go under contract on a house and then the homeowner has two water claims. Oh. Yeah. So the the advantages of knowing what's going on, who to call and get it all done. And yeah, so it was, we closed on uh, Tuesday this past week and um, it was literally the, the last hour before we had to be at the closing attorney's office that we got everything that we needed to, uh, to do it. So it was, uh, but yeah, now uh, time to schedule contractors to do some work. So fun, fun times for us here. Understood. Yep. So, loyal readers, if you have not listened to the first three episodes of the book, then please hit pause, go download them, come back, listen to this episode. And for those keeping score at home, we are recording this on Thursday, August 6, 2020. Now, before we get started, can you tell the loyal readers what is the ideal day at Florida Risk Partners for you? Meaning, when do you start your day? What are you doing? When do you spend time with your family? Wow, man. Um, that's a great question as far as the ideal day goes, because every single day it's something different. You know, the, the one thing I will say is um, family is never shortchanged ever. Um, so regardless of what's happened at work, there's always a hard stop because I've made a commitment. I wasn't, you know, when I had kids, I made a commitment. I'm going to raise them right. I'm going to always make time for them so that they never have to wish they had more time with me. Um, and so I've got a pretty good work-life balance. I'm not going to tell you that I'm out playing golf at three o'clock in the afternoon, like a lot of my competition is, but if I knock off early, it's to take the kids to Disney or to, you know, go to a water park or something like that during normal times. And now it's sometimes just as simple as sitting at home and watching a movie or whatever. But I, you know, I get my time in that's one of the benefits of what we do is the fact that, if I leave at three and I carve out from three thirty to seven thirty as family time, I'm back working again by eight o'clock, you know, at night. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm usually up by four thirty every morning. So I get up at uh, between four thirty and five every morning, and I bust out at least one day, if not uh, multiple days of content for both Florida Risk and Killing Commercial, all before anybody else is out of bed. Wow, wow, that's impressive. I mean, I, I try to get up at 4.45 every day. Usually I roll out of bed about 5.30 in the morning, but I'm not, I don't immediately start. I get ready, head to the office, and then by, by 6.15, 6.30, I'm getting rock and roll. We got a regimen, man. I keep a laptop next to the bed. Um, you know, my wife knows that when she feels me rustling around, she needs to roll over the other direction so the laptop light doesn't keep her awake, but... I don't stay. I don't stray too far from there because I know it don't, won't be long before the kids start coming in one by one, wanting to climb in bed with us. So, oh yeah, I you know those are the those are the days you'll never be able to get back later. So I want to cherish them while I have them now. Be a little awkward when Caroline's fourteen still climbing in bed with me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would that might make yeah for some interesting conversations. Maybe therapy later on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into chapter six. And chapter six is following up after the marketing drop. So you begin this chapter with the assumption that the marketing drop went well. You validated the contact and obtained their email address along with the contact information. And for the loyal readers, I want you to know something about what I just said. 
I almost said word for word what is in the first sentence in this chapter, but you'll realize that the language that David uses, he said it multiple times in the last episode and even before that. It is a testament to him finding a way and sticking to that way year after year. Now that the salesperson has the information, they needed to go into the CRM for automated follow-ups and tasks, which according to the book, increases efficiency and execution. So the first automation that fires off is an email sent 24 hours after the contact is loaded into HubSpot. The key to this email is that it contains a video of the producer. It's not a specific email to the prospect, but it's scripted enough for the prospect to get the warm and fuzzies. Now you write that there are three reasons why you do this. The first is the wow factor and to keep the producer's name and face in the forefront of the prospect's mind. The second is that once the prospect opens the email, you're able to get their IP address stored in the content record of your CRM. And then the third is it conditions them to using video in correspondence with them. So for this first part, I want to know if you want your producers to enter the contact in by a certain time of day so that you make sure that first email is sent during business hours or does that matter to you? And the second question is, how did you come up with the verbiage and the scripts for each email? Yeah, so um, good questions. As far as when they enter the contact information and things in, we already have that done before they ever go do the marketing drops. So we have all of the contact records built out and all of that. What really triggers the email to go out is we created a custom field for the drop date and once they put the date in there, that's what sends out the automation. Now, most of the time, these guys are going in and doing it from the mobile app as soon as they get to their car after walking into a business. So literally 24 hours after the time they dropped that first email hits, mm -hmm. if they're doing it that way. If not, it goes back to how we have them plan their day and having that buffer from three to five on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday to make sure that everything is is locked down for the for that day's activities. Okay, that that's what I figured based on what we had talked about. Now, as far yeah, well, as with regard to the but with regard to the scripting, man, yeah. I mean that's something that's something that really I have just been a student of on an ongoing basis for my entire career. Right, like I I think sometimes I write scripts and I think they're awesome and they just bomb. Right. Mm -hmm. But then there's other times where I have producers who have written scripts that I think are absolutely terrible and they work. So, you know, one of the things is that we, we collaborate on all of that stuff to make sure that everybody's on the same page and we have consensus before we decide, okay, this is what's blessed. And in some cases, it may not be my script. It may be a script that the producer themselves has written because my whole thing in all of this with the video, the scripting and everything is people buy from people. People buy from people they like. People buy from people they can relate to. If they're going to be a good prospect for me, I want that relatability and the trust to start to form because they have a perceived relationship with me due to the heightened level of interactivity with a video and a well thought out script as opposed to me just sending an email saying, hey, it was great meeting you today. I'll be following up in a week or so to see what's going on. We can literally, the video scripting is good. Okay, I don't, I don't put a feather in my hat for a lot of things. This is one that I would. You, I could send you that, and aside from the fact it doesn't say, hey, Josh, it was great seeing you today, it's good. It's not, it's, it's not generic at all. So we've had a lot of, of success with that, but it's not like we just sat down and whipped it out without having multiple revisions. Who's someone that you follow that to, to gain that knowledge from that you like? I can tell you that the majority of, you know, I follow a lot of, I, I shouldn't say I follow a lot. I've changed because somebody asked me the question one time, what sales books have you read? Mm -hmm. I don't read sales books. Like I don't, I, I couldn't put my finger on any one other than like the little red book of selling um, dynamics of selling by Tom Hopkins, which was written back in like the late seventies, early eighties. Like yeah. I, I just couldn't put, put a finger on it. I think that that's some, to a certain degree, a shift in how technology has changed things. 
we follow people now, not books. So it's much easier to go over to LinkedIn and see um, Brian Burns, the guy from the Brutal Truth About Sales podcast. It's got like 250,000 followers on LinkedIn, wow. giving you his video snippets and articles and things. I, I digest a lot of stuff from Chris Voss in, in his book, Never Split the Difference. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again until somebody else takes the title. Probably the most impactful book I've read. Uh, in my career. And it's not really about sales. It's about hostage negotiation, but has translation to the business world for certain. And he does a very good job of doing that. Uh, Josh Braun is another one that's on LinkedIn that I follow. It, it's just a smattering of a bunch of different things. And the other thing I think that makes it easier for us is, I don't know about you, man, you're a whippersnapper. You're younger than I am, right? So when I was growing up, it was like, you read the book. Like there right. was no, there was no audio book. There was no Kindle. You, you read the whole thing. I think that social media and platforms like LinkedIn have made it so much easier for us to digest high points and snippets from things. I may never go read the whole book. I may just take that one thing that I saw and use that, or I may take that one thing that I saw, use it and decide, you know what, there's gotta be more stuff. Let me go read the entire thing. We have choices now that we didn't have before. Yeah. Well, I, I think that gets back to now. So often you go to a conference or you go somewhere and they always say, "There's, we want you to have one takeaway. So now the people are just giving you one takeaway at a time and they hope that you grasp onto it. For me, I have to read the book because I can't listen to something as far as learning and retain it. Um, so that's well, I'm the same way. I, I yeah. mean, I'm very much... Um, I, I'm putting off adopting a Kindle full time. I swore I would never have one, and I do now. But I still prefer paperback book that yeah. I can, you know, make notes in, read whatever. And I'm sure there's functionality inside the digital platforms. I'm just not willing to change that, man. I no, like having a bookshelf full of books. Yeah, same here. Same here. All right. So after the first email has been sent to the prospect, an automatic task is generated for the producer. So this is an email that the producer receives that tells them to review the prospect's contact information within HubSpot. And what they're looking for, since you now have their IP address, is how many times have they visited your website? And if there's a reasonable amount of activity, you'll reach out. If not, you'll wait. So if the producer does see a reasonable amount of activity, the next step is to get the prospect on the phone. If not, they're going to wait another week. And then still the next step is going to be a phone call. And you have a script for the producer and it goes something a little bit like this. Hi, Mr. and Mrs. Prospect. This is David with Florida Risk Partners. Thank you for taking my call. I trust you had an opportunity to review the information I left for you a week or two weeks ago. Yes, I get that a lot. That's why we provide that report. I'm glad you found value in the information. I won't keep you long because I know you're busy. I wanted to tell you that I'm in your area once a month, and that's why I was able to stop by to visit with you last week. I'm looking at my calendar, and I'll be in your area on such and such a date and have appointments available for 30 minutes at 2 or 3.30 p.m. Which time is better for me to come by to see you? Great. I appreciate you setting aside some time for me. I assure you will not be a waste. I will confirm with you the day before to make sure we are still good to go. So you go on to write that you didn't give the prospect an opportunity to say yes or no when booking the appointment. And it could be sales 101, but like when you write that there will be some loyal readers who are beginning their first sales jobs, it's also a good reminder. You want to give them the two options and they are the only two options that you provide. So this is obviously the ideal the for, way for that conversation to go with the prospect. What are some common objections that a salesperson will encounter with that conversation if it doesn't go as planned? And what are some of the things that they can do to overcome them? Um, do you ever role play this with your producers? And for the follow-up phone call the day before, do you have the producer do that or do you have someone else in the agency? Um, so the first question going back, what are some common objections that a salesperson would encounter and how can they overcome that in this phone call? Yeah. So the first thing is I'm going to make you start sending me your questions before you interview me <laughs> so that I'm not caught on the spot. But th <laughs> thankfully, I've been doing this long enough. I can answer them anyhow. Uh, I, think I, I knew that you could. That, part, that's of, part of me seems to think you find delight in this. But anyhow. <laughs> Just a touch. Just a touch. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. I think that anytime you're going to find objections, it could be anything from I've got vacation next week, I'm not around then, or 
I just don't have time right now. It's our busy time of the year or whatever else. It's normal. You're probably going to hear that more than so you're going to hear, oh, yeah, I'll take that 330 slot. That's perfect. That's actually what I was thinking about before you ever called me, right? Right. So I mean, you, you just have to figure out based on how hard that no is, how much you should push, right? Mm -hmm. And so you might do something as simple as say, listen, I understand. Obviously, I'm calling you out of the blue. Certainly, you're a busy person and you've had your time scheduled well before I ever came into the picture. You know, I like I said, I'm out there on a monthly basis. I do have the ability to come out on a one-off. Is there a time that's better for you than those times that I've suggested? Maybe they'll give me one. Maybe they'll not. Maybe they'll say, nah, you need to wait till closer to renewal, in which case I would push back and say, listen, I understand. And that's how, unfortunately, my peer group has conditioned you to do business with the insurance industry. I want to make sure you understand that we don't operate the way that an agency does. We're not here to talk to you about the sale of a product. I want to help you solve your problems and the things we need to fix for you based on our research. We need to talk sooner than later because it's a longer process than simply selling you an insurance product. And so we give them a reason why. I think one of the biggest reasons, and I've talked about this and I'll continue to talk about it, um, one of the biggest things that happens, and it's a huge mistake for anybody in sales, is they're so worried about what's in it for them and how quick they can get the order that they don't take the time to give the reason why. They don't tell somebody why you know, they're asking the question or why they want the information, right? And so the example that I use is somebody that um, I had talked to that was going after commercial business. And he went out and he was running into a problem with the gatekeeper at, uh, at at a company where he couldn't get the loss runs. And I said, well, what have you done to try and get them? And he said, well, the owner told me I could have them. I sent an email. I said, send your email over. Well, I get the email and it's like literally the exact same email that every agent would ever send who <laughs> wanted loss runs. Hey, talk to Bubba. Bubba said I could have the loss runs. Can you send them to me at your earliest convenience? Well, now you've taken somebody who feels like they have some control over information and the process and completely removed them, which is a huge mistake, right? The gatekeeper. Right. And so you have to take that extra couple. Again, it goes into the, the, the extra two minutes piece. But I just basically said to this guy, look, I'm going to write you an email, copy and paste it, send it back. You'll get what you want. And so my email was different. Hey, I want to let you know, I'm, I was talking with Bubba over lunch. He told me that he would be happy to have me do an experience modification factor audit for your company. Let me stop and back up. This lady wrote back to him and said, uh, before I send you any information, tell me, tell me what your um, precise strategy is for reducing our mod. And I'm like, this is impossible, right? You can't do that. So I wrote my email and said, hey, this is David with Florida Risk Partners or whoever. And mm -hmm. you know, I talked to Bubba. Bubba told me he would be happy for me to do an experience modification factor audit for your company. I have to tell you what you're asking me to do is impossible. I cannot do the audit without the experience mod. The reason why I need that is because we run it through our – our software, we run the loss runs through our software and it gives us a report that tells us all of the things that are going on that are contributing to that mod. And then we sit down with you and Bubba and everybody else on your team and we come up with that strategy jointly so that we're all bought in and we can make sure everybody's on the same page. I realize I probably you know wrote more than I needed to, but thank you so much for taking the time to read it. I look forward to receiving the loss runs when you have an opportunity. Had them in five minutes. The difference is he asked for him. I didn't. I asked for him. I told her what I wanted, why I wanted it, how it was going to benefit them, and how we were going to use that information to give her what she wanted moving forward. Again, it was literally two minutes, man. So there's, there's no reason why anybody who is going after business can't take that time, that extra little bit to give somebody the why behind it. And so when I called this guy back, I said, what's the learning experience? He said, learning experience is you write a really good email. And I said, that's not it, man. I mean, I, I can teach you to fish. I'm not going to fish for you. And I said, let me put it to you this way. This account was going to pay you $50,000 a year. If you were going to walk in and interview for a $50,000 a year job, mm -hmm. and you had to represent yourself personally, like the email that you sent, how well do you think you would do in getting hired versus the one that I sent? 
And I think that we have to step back and look at that. I don't care if you're selling a $500 policy or a $500,000 policy. You are interviewing for the job to represent that person, and they have to make the decision to hire you. The amount of education and information you can give them is what's ultimately going to direct them to make the decision in your favor or not. That is some good stuff. I never thought about the idea of interviewing with the client for the revenue as a job. I, I don't know why, but that just makes perfect sense. And I hope the it blew the loyal reader's mind as much as it blew my mind. So yeah, that is, that's a good stuff. Now, do you guys in your office do any role playing? All the time. We do. Um, and you saw, I mean, we, we are in constant communication. We do the role play stuff. Uh, going through Killing Commercial, if you've mm-hmm. been through it yet or not, we actually taped one of our little sessions of, of us, some of us going back and forth. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have to, man. I mean, yeah, does it seem stupid? It does. Does it, you, you kind of feel weird, you know, acting out scenarios with grown men. It, you know, but <laughs> thankfully we're not wearing leotards or anything like that. But, you know, once you get over the fact it's weird, it's good because, you know, I like to be challenged and these mm-hmm. guys will challenge me and I'll challenge them back. And, you know, people have different perspectives. Raphael's going to have different follow-up questions than I'm going to have or Kyle's going to have or, you know, Kim's going to have or whoever else. So it's good to see those different perspectives because it makes you more well-rounded when you get out there. You never know when you – you have a pretty good idea of what the answer possibilities are when you ask somebody a question, Mm -hmm. but you don't always know. Right. Correct. Right? Yeah. Like so, let me give you an example. Like that okay. should hit everybody pretty hard. You call somebody and they say, "No, I'm not available to meet with you next three, you know, next week, three thirty, four thirty doesn't really work for me." And you push back and they say, eh, "The following week's not that good either." You know, there's a lot of people out there who think you need to take a hard line as a salesperson now and really go after closing that appointment. And um, they they just say, "You know, look, you know, I have something valuable for me." Obviously, you don't see value in it or whatever else. So why don't you tell me when would be a good time for us to meet? And I mean, I know that sounds abrasive and everything, but there are people who really do that, believe it or not. And so what's your response when the prospect comes back and says, well, you know, I'd love to be able to meet with you and I do find value in what you do. But unfortunately, my chemotherapy treatments are at the times you're asking me to meet with you. How do you respond to that if you act like a jackass when they're telling you no? Uh, you, You can't. You can't. Right. So don't be a jackass when they tell you no. Figure out a smooth way to to navigate the conversation to where you can get to the right point. If if I ask somebody if I can meet with them at those times and it doesn't work that week and it doesn't work maybe two, three weeks later, whenever else, I'm gonna say, listen, maybe that time of day is not good for you. Would it be better if we were to meet in the morning? How about 10 or 11 on such and such? Mm-hmm. And let them roll with that. But don't automatically assume that somebody's putting you off just because they want to put you off. Sometimes there's like a valid reason. Mm-hmm. I, I realize that it's probably not as much as, as it is them putting you off, but you don't want a blanket statement, everybody under that same you know idea, only to get really, really embarrassed and feel like a moron when they come back with an, a line like I just gave you. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Yeah, that's just something that no one wants to encounter. And I feel that you really can't recover from that type in the, uh, in the future. And that follows you. Even if you leave the agency that you're at, it will just follow you and that prospect's gone forever. Um, now, as far as the make, making the follow-up phone call for the day before the appointment to confirm, do you have the producer do that or does someone else do that? Or do you let automation do that for them? No, it will either be the producer or the account manager, depending. Um, okay. what, I, what I will tell you is um, you've been through Killing Commercials. So you understand that there's a lot more robust process about how we go about setting up that person for the appointment than what I talk about right. in the book. So, you know, it's probably important and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give away all the secret sauce that you guys have paid to get behind the scenes. Exactly. <laughs> it, 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 at the same time, you know, it's worth knowing that that person gets an official meeting agenda from us. They get the, we send them an appointment for the meeting with the agenda attached. We ask them for feedback on the agenda and if they want to add anything, take it away. But we send the calendar invite with a video embedded into the calendar invite so that it gets on their calendar. Depending on um, whether or not that person's on the road that day or whatever else, it may be an account manager that calls to confirm 
or it may be the producer themselves. It really just depends on the logistics at that point. Okay. Well, good. Well, again, if any loyal readers are contemplating joining Killing Commercial, that was just a snippet of the things that you get to learn about. Don't think, you, don't think I give it to you in the book. I don't give you everything. <laughs> no. It's a rough outline. Yes, it is. So the final part of this chapter is reminding that everything's not going to go smoothly. You won't amaze every prospect. Not everyone is going to swoon over the details in your marketing. And this is going to eventually lead to having to reinvent yourselves. Now, you've talked many times that you basically do the same thing that you've been doing for the last 30 years. Can you tell the loyal readers what are some of the things that you've changed or some things that your producers have changed when things weren't going their way during this process? Or is there anything specific that you can think of? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's it, it's business is dynamic. It's constantly evolving and constantly changing. So the needs of the people who are in business change over time as well, right? So my career is a perfect example of, you know, of change and reinventing yourself. When I started out in the business, I led with property. Property was where I needed to spend my time. And that was the need that needed to be fulfilled. When I launched Florida Risk, I decided that workers' comp was what I really wanted to focus on and where we would see the most success because it was a need that wasn't being fulfilled. You know, because of communication inside Killing Commercial, that there are three things that we are going to focus on post-COVID because that's where the needs are. When you focus on solving problems, it is a dynamic environment. It's variable change. There's always a different problem to solve. There's always a different need to be met. If you focus on selling a product, you don't change anything. You're always going to sell general liability. You're always going to sell auto. And that's your, that is your, if you're an insurance salesperson as opposed to a trusted advisor, that is your perception of what needs to happen to solve a problem. But you're brainwashed because you believe that you have to sell everybody a product for everything. That's just how we've been conditioned in this industry. If you take a step back and look at things from the 10,000 foot overview, guess what? You're going to find out that, wow, the reason I'm not having people talk to me is because the rates are the lowest for this line of coverage they've been in years. They don't have any reason. There's no pain for them to talk to me about this. So focus on what the problems are that you can solve and not the products that you can sell. And reinvention will automatically, it's just an automatic, you'll, you'll lead yourself down that path. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. So the final reminder that you put in this chapter is that you must touch a prospect five to seven times before they come a, become a client, which is foreshadowing for the next chapter. But before we get to the next chapter, we have the extra two minutes for this one. And you actually contradict one of the main points of this chapter, and that is actually having a prospect answer your initial question with a no. The reason that you do this is because when someone says no, they feel in control of the conversation. So can you give the loyal readers a few examples of the type of questions that they should be asking to get that no so that they can put their prospect in some sort of feeling of control of the conversation? Yeah, so it goes back to what I said about Never Split the Difference being the most impactful book that I've read, at least in the last decade, if not in my entire career. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of the psychology that goes into hostage negotiation and making that person that's holding someone hostage feel like they're in control of the process, even though they're probably in the least controllable situation they've ever been in in their life. Humans are wired the same way, regardless of what the situation is that you're in. So it's it's been shown in scientific studies, psychological studies, that if someone says the word no, subconsciously they feel in control. Whether they are or not, they feel that way. So it's as simple as taking a step back and saying to myself, if I was going to ask the question this way, what is a way that I could ask the question and require the person to give me a no answer first? but I wouldn't be getting a hard no, like I'm never going to talk to you again. So typically, I like to go for things. The, the ultimate goal for me is two no's to a yes, okay? And okay. it's crazy because this, this has all evolved really after the book was published. So I have really, we have really started fine-tuning all of this 
after the extra two minutes was long since gone, uh, you know, from my desk of being written. But I have found that if you can get to two no's first, you have a much stronger yes. So I'm going to give you my go-to right now that has worked like literally 100% of the time. We're all using this in the office right now. And as you know, we lead with experience modification factors mm-hmm. and workers comp. So we like to, you know, we like to look at businesses that have mods that are higher than one. So if I were to call somebody and say, hey, this is David with Florida Risk Partners. I really appreciate you taking my call. I know you weren't expecting it, so I promise I'll be brief. But I do have a quick question for you. Are you happy that your firm right now is paying at least 50% more for your workers' compensation insurance than the other people in your peer group? Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. If they answer yes to that question, they're an idiot and I don't want them as a client anyhow. Nobody's happy that they're paying at least 50% more and nobody's going to say yes that they're happy about it, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to tell you no. They're not happy about it. Right. And so my, I have a choice. I could either immediately go to try and close the appointment. I want to get one more no under my belt so that they're really feeling comfortable with what we're saying. So my next one is, In the last three to five years, has anyone come out and done an experience mod audit for you and provided you with the subsequent report to show you the financial breakdown that's causing money to leak from your financial statements? And the answer is no. Yeah. Okay. Now I've got two no's. So when I go for the close and go for the yes, that question sounds like this. Well, because you're paying at least 50% more than your peer group for your workers' compensation and nobody has come out to do an audit for you in the last three to five years, wouldn't you agree that it would make sense for us to get together for 30 minutes to explore all of the technology and systems that my firm uses to help companies like yours stop the bleeding? How do you say no to that meeting after you've just told me you're not happy with paying 50% or more and nobody's come out to do what we're asking you to do. You can't. No, no, you cannot. You cannot. Because, and I, you know, I'll be honest with you, man. I don't know what I'll do when somebody does say no. I, I'll probably short circuit. Yes. You know, but I'm just like, wait a minute, let me make sure I understand this. You're not happy you're paying 50% or more, and nobody's come out to do the audit and the report, but you still don't want to get together to see what that looks like. Can you well, please I- explain that logic to me? Well, I was just about to say, can I play devil's advocate and say, what if they say no to that third question and they say, well, I'm just going to go talk to my current agent and ask them to do what you just told me? Well, number one, I haven't really told them much of anything. And if they, but but if they did say that, Mm um, you know, I would probably say something along the lines, listen, respectfully, I haven't really given you any proprietary information in the 30 seconds that we've been on the phone and at the risk of sounding abrupt if your agent had the ability to do this for you, they already would be. The issue that I have with that is, and what you may not be aware of, you're paying 50% more for your workers' comp than you should have. Your agent's also making 50% off of your misfortune. So you've given this person a 50% raise because you're in a bad position price-wise. Really not sure they'd be motivated to do the things that I'm offering to do for you. 
And there you go, loyal readers. That is why we have him on the podcast to hear those things. So you now have three things that you can utilize when you call on a prospect and have the questions ready to get those two no's and then get to that hard yes. Well, thank you so much for that, David. I appreciate that. I expect you to use it immediately. I will be using that immediately. And as soon as we get off the podcast, I will be ordering Never Split the Difference book as well. It's a good one, man. I, I can that, There's very few things in life that I give an unequivocal recommendation for. Mm-hmm. I have yet to recommend that book to anybody that hasn't been just blown away. In, and in, hopefully I can get the author here on the podcast. Good that luck. Be- yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're working on it uh, for power producers. We oh, have yeah. some, some talks back and forth, but okay. He, I mean, the, you know, it's a New York, New York Times bestselling author that's on the TED Talk speaking circuit now and all of that other stuff. So, yeah, I think you may have a better chance you doing one episode when I ask, can you come on to do four to six episodes that are an hour each long? Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> But anyways, all right, so let's head along to chapter seven, which is be creative. And if this doesn't describe your efforts, I don't know what else would. So you begin the chapter with writing that in order to get business, you need a completely different approach. And it's not about being somewhat different, but different, different. And so we alluded this uh, in the past episode with the uh, folder recall. So you write that the folders you provide to the prospects are not the least expensive. And by asking for it back, well, actually, let's just go to page 59 and we'll hear how the conversation goes. So like most businesses, we are conscious of the environment and conscience of our cost. I know that my folder will more than likely end up in your trash can at some point. I would ask that you not toss it. Instead, when I come back through this way next month, I will come by and pick it up from you. I know I know it's only a dollar, but dollars add up. I also know that there must be something in it for you. I wanted to let you know that we put the business cards of all the companies that return our folder into a fishbowl. At the end of the month, we draw three winners. The first prize is a $50 gift card to the local restaurant of your choice. The second prize is a $25 gift card to the local restaurant of your choice. And the third prize is a $10 gift card to the coffee spot of your choice. So this is what you tell them uh, in person. And you say, by doing this, you've created an expectation that the prospect is going to see you again and that, that prospect can win something. And you are able to cover about 50% of the folders that you drop off. And it provides another conversation with the client, getting you farther along in the five to seven touches that we just talked about in the last chapter. So here's my question regarding this situation. Are you telling this just to the decision maker or the gatekeeper or both. And then within that same prospects office or business, do multiple people win the gift card? Yeah, usually it's whoever the decision maker is and the gatekeeper. Okay. First off, I should let you know everybody wins the gift card. Like, you know, yeah. there's a grand prize and a second prize winner. Everybody else wins the gift card. So, yeah. you know, it's it's a cheap way. People spend a lot of money to buy leads and get in front of people. For me, five or ten bucks for a coffee gift card well worth the spend because it's not me getting a Google lead that may or may not work or a click that may not lead to a sale. It's literally me buying 10 to 15 minutes in front of this person again, a second time. And each time you go, if you're good, you wear them down more and more. You know, now you're not beating them down, but their defenses come down. You become, oh, hey man, good to see you again, whatever else, you know, and all of that. <clears throat> I'm not giving away everything to everybody in the office. I got to keep the gatekeeper on my side because ultimately, you know, you get, if you keep them happy, then you're, you're going to have better opportunity to get to who you want to. And obviously for the decision maker standpoint, you want to keep them happy as well. I can tell you this, Josh, um, there's not a time that I go to call on somebody that I've already called on one time before that mm-hmm. I don't show up with whatever the gatekeeper's coffee order is regardless every time. Wow. Now, I'm not churning and burning like my guys are. I'm, you know, I'm not going out and 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 calling on eight to ten places a day, but I'll give you a practical example of this. I had a producer um, that was struggling that's no longer with me. And you know, I've I've shared this, multiple stories about this, but um, I went on marketing drops with him one day because he told me that cold calling didn't work and my processes were antiquated and I needed to figure out a better way to do business. Now, 
that's great. Um, my book is 1.7 million in premium and yours is like 60,000 in premium. So I really appreciate your perspective. You know, I obviously don't know what I'm talking about. You know, and listen, I don't mean that to sound cocky or arrogant. It just to, to help set the table. It wasn't one of those things where David just wasn't listening because he didn't want to. It's because this guy had no leg to stand on when he was arguing yeah. with me. So I, I went with him and we went into this plumbing supply company that was literally right next door to one of my clients and used that to get in. And as we walk in, um, you know, I'm like, I'm like one of those cyborgs or robots or whatever. Anytime I walk into a place like that, it's really kind of weird, but like I'm scanning everything, noticing as much as I can and, and putting that into my memory banks because you never know what you're going to be able to use later. So I see, I walk in and I see, I, I do that in a restaurant too. I walk into a restaurant. I want to see who's the most likely to have a gun or take the place out or whatever. So I know what my strategy is getting out. I know weird, not a conspiracy theorist, but weird. Anyhow, we walk into this place and I notice over to the right girl, computer typing information in straight ahead, lady gatekeeper, obviously. And then another guy was coming through the thing and it ended up being the guy that serviced their rugs. And so we're standing there and the lady said, excuse me for a minute. And she, and she said, Hey, didn't you say that, um, your dad wanted different rugs or whatever. And the girl that was at the computer, to the right turns around and says, yeah, he wants the ones with the padding on the bottom of them. Well, ding, 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 ding. Owner's daughter to the right gatekeeper ahead of me. Now I know this is the owner's daughter. Let's make her our friend. And so the guy's like, well, listen, your contract dictates that's going to cost you an extra dollar per month per rug for 12. So it's going to be an additional $12. She said, "You've got to be kidding me." He's like, "Let me see if I can call somebody and make and pull some strings, or whatever." But you know, she said, "Well, just do what you can." But we want the other rugs when you come back next time. So, guy walks away, and the lady turns around and she says, "I apologize." You know, I apologize, and I said, "Honestly, I feel like I owe you an apology. I apologize. You had to deal with such horrible salesmanship. You know, for twelve bucks a month, I'm pretty sure this guy's commission on your route is." route stop is way more than 12 a month. He should have just said, I'll figure out how to get it done and figured out how to have the new rugs to you today. So I apologize for that. Anyhow, we end up, we're talking back and forth. And for whatever reason, it was right around the time Girl Scout cookies were out. And I said, all right, I got to know it. I'm asking everybody, this is kind of my thing this week. What's your favorite Girl Scout cookie? And the gatekeeper said, I haven't tried the new lemon ones yet, so I'd really like to try the new lemon ones. And I just haven't had anybody come by here to do that. And the, the owner's daughter says, don't talk to me about Girl Scout cookies. If you're bringing food, I want you, you know, you need to be bringing Chick-fil-A. And, and, and so I looked at her, I'm like, well, what's that Chick-fil-A order look like? She said, number one, super size with a sweet tea. I'm like, I had you pegged from the second I walked in the door. You know, and so... We, we wrap it up. She's like, listen, the owner's not easy to get in front of. He, he doesn't make decisions quickly. He's very loyal, but I really like you guys. I think you'll have the ability to get in front of him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend that he sit down and talk with you, you know, when it, when it makes sense. And so we get out to the car, and I asked the guy, I'm like, what would you do? He's like, well, he goes, I'm going to follow up with them and see when they've had a chance to talk to the owner. I'm like, dude, you're going to show up next week with a Chick-fil-A number one super size with sweet tea and a box of lemon Girl Scout cookies, if yes. not two, one hot, one, you know, one room temperature, one cold. And you're going to take all of that in there. If for no other reason, just to stop back by again and show them you were listening. Like guys, this, what we do is not difficult. You just have to ask questions and listen. And then when you do listen, you execute on the information that you're given. It's like low hanging fruit for me. Yeah. It's, it just, it's crazy, crazy stuff. People will tell you the way to get to that. You just have to ask the right questions and listen to their answers. You have to listen with your ears and not with your mouth. Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds like your mother told you that before, Josh. Yeah, <laughs> this is potentially very true. Very true. <laughs> so um, next in the book, um, and you already mentioned it about the fact that everyone wins a $10 gift card. Um and since now, when you actually tell the person they win a $10 gift card, you actually bring video back into the mix. So you record a video of no more than 30 seconds, make it as personalized as possible to the decision maker. You email to them telling them they won the gift card. You'd be calling them to follow up to schedule time to drop off the gift card. 
and as you put it, put extra flair, which I can only imagine is a reference to the movie Office Space. And if not, I would be a little disappointed. And you tell them that they have the option to set up a time without a phone call because in the email you send them or in your email signature, you're going to have your online calendar link for that. Um, and if the prospect doesn't use that online calendar link, then you go ahead and call them. So on the day that you have your appointment to pick up the gift card um, and bring it to them, you give them a call um, because you're going to be stopping to get a, a cup of coffee. And you ask them for their coffee order for the decision maker and the receptionist, gatekeeper. And so at this point, once you've done this, you have accomplished the five to seven touches that you wanted to do. And so here's a recap of them. So number one, the initial cold call marketing drops where you introduce yourself, hand out your business card uh, and the folder of marketing materials. Number two is the follow-up email from the cold call drop. Number three is follow-up phone call to ask them if they've had a chance to review the information. Also let them know that you will be back by to pick up the folders. And then number four is follow-up with an email with video to let them know that they have actually won the gift card. Number five is a maybe. It's a follow-up phone call if the appointment is not booked from the email to schedule time to drop off the gift card. And then the sixth one is the phone call on the way to pick up the gift cards and asking for their order. And so what I love about this project or the, this paragraph is that you anticipate a common objection that the loyal reader may think or say, well, what if they don't like coffee? And I am one of those people who don't drink coffee, but you give some great examples and one you actually just talked about. Um, go to a smoothie shop, local bakery, Girl Scout cookies. But the biggest takeaway from this is the product doesn't matter. The process does. And so that brings us to the end of chapter seven and leads us into the extra two minutes for this. And this is something that you write about, um, which we've discussed on the podcast before, and it's about a guest on the Power Producer podcast. And it's similar to something that people who are part of Killing Commercial receive. So I have received um, this as well. So, David, would you mind telling the loyal readers what do guests on your Power Producer podcast receive and what do people who are part of Killing Commercial receive when they sign up? Yeah, I mean, it's no different than what people receive when they come into the agency as a client either. You know, our goal, no matter who it is, um, you know, is to make somebody feel like a way they've never felt when they've done business with somebody before, that we want to leave our mark and blow them out of the water to a completely different level. So, you know, it's fun. It's really the fun part of the job for me. I have a blast. Like doing the podcast is great. We talk to agency owners and agents and people from all over the country. But the really, the really fun part is listening to what they have to say, taking that information, and then creating the thumbnail artwork around that episode, and basically having a one of a kind piece of cartoon art that is devoted to their episode. And so we commemorate that by so giving, giving, sending by them a thank you box with a handwritten note okay uh, for me, as well as a T-shirt that has their the thumbnail on the back of it and the Power Producers logo on the left chest, a Tumblr that has the same the thing, uh, the Power Producers logo, and then the I think it's got the hashtag feel the power on one side and then their thumbnail from their episode on the other. And then also now, the a coffee path, mug the salesperson so that they have a way to drink a hot drink, a cold a drink, or wear a t-shirt, whatever. Resistance. But the, they're the only that person that in the world who has those three things. Nobody else has it. The trick is the follow um, And so we send that to them as a thank you gift for them being on. Killing commercial, so same way. I, mean, I want you, know, you to explain that in just a moment a because there are a couple things that, that the loyal readers um, need to hear about the section of right? the book. So, we want so you pose the like question of, of was the person you wanted to meet with tied up? Are they still a viable prospect? You write that you've had success because you never stopped following up and it showed that you wanted them as a client. Now, can you explain to me what you had in mind by the trick is the follow through? Yeah, just making sure that it's not just a simple one and done. I mean, I think that there's a lot of times where people will go out, they'll try and make that connection with the person that they're trying to get in front of. And because they don't do it the first time, it just goes to the back of the line and they start over with whoever's next. And that person may or may not ever get followed up with again. 
That's one of the reasons why we put automation sequences in place through our CRM, so the things like that don't slip through the cracks. So, for example, if a producer goes out to do a marketing drop on somebody or to try and get an appointment set with them and they don't initially have success, there's automatic timed tasks that are created and assigned to that producer, and they're notified to remind them to go in and follow back up with that person again. If during the time in between reminders, they actually do have success in following up, they can indicate that inside the contact record in the CRM, which will unenroll them from that follow-up reminder sequence. Okay, very good. All right, so that's the first path. So the second path to take is a phone call, and you're a big proponent of having a script. However, your script that you use is more of a voicemail script rather than a phone script. So you're able to plan out what you want to say you advocate for having others review it to give you feedback. And one of the keys to a voicemail script is to give the prospect the why. Why should they be meeting with you? How will it benefit them? What are you able to do for them that they are not already seen? David, I know I'm putting you on the spot with this, but can you give the loyal readers an idea of how a voicemail script may go if you were making um, this follow-up call after being rejected by or potentially rejected by a prospect? Yeah, it's interesting, man, because our voicemail scripts and everything have changed with COVID. So at the time that I wrote the book, we were using one methodology, but we were actually using a completely different methodology for the time being. What we found is a couple of things. Number one, more people are actually answering their phones as opposed to um, getting voicemails all the time. So number one, you know, our process overall as an agency has changed because we're not even going out and doing the cold call drop or you know, trying to see people in person. So a lot of the stuff that we're doing is now originating on the phones. And I've been pretty um, vocal about the change that we've made in our process since I read Chris Boss's book, Never Split the Difference. It goes back to what you've heard me talk about in the past where my goal at this point is, you know, number one, I'm anticipating that they're going to answer the phone. Um, in COVID, I haven't been leaving voice messages. I'm, I have such a, we've had such a high success rate to being able to get that person on the phone that we're choosing not to leave messages. We'll just try them again later. And so, you know, when we get them on the phone, it's a different story. It's, it's the same thing that we talk about. We want to get them to a no first so that we can back them into a corner and eventually right. get them to a yes. So, I would say, you know, as far as what, you know, how the book goes, using a voicemail, leaving a voicemail typically just depends on what stage of the process is in. I can tell you um, what the best one is that I've ever left. If, if that would, that would probably that would work more entertaining than anything else. So, and it's, it worked, um, which is, which is why I should share it. But I think sometimes we take ourselves so seriously um, which we should. I mean, look, we're protecting people's assets and their business. And depending on the size of the accounts that you write, it could be a large amount of money that's on the line. So certainly with that comes responsibility. But I've just never taken myself overly serious when it comes to trying to get the door open. So I, we when we launched our personal lines division, I had a carrier that I was continuously trying to get a contract with. I couldn't even get the marketing rep to call me back. Like it was crazy. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, I've called you no less than a dozen times. I know you have to be getting you my voicemails. What's the deal? So I finally had had enough. And one morning I picked up the phone and I called her and I left her voice, but she said, I don't understand. You're, it seems like you're breaking up with me and we haven't even gone on our first date yet. I mean, you don't even know how well I could treat you and your employer if you just gave me an opportunity to show you, at least give me a phone call back. This isn't Tinder where you swipe right or you swipe left. I need to hear from you. This is serious stuff. Sure enough, I had a call back within like five minutes. Wow. Um, and we got the contract on the spot, actually. Like she wow. said, I'll have the contract over to your email, blah, 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 blah. And it was done. That's amazing. So, That's yeah, amazing. crazy stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah, you never know what could or could not work. Well, very good. Now, moving along the path, so we get to the third path, which is to take 
um, and to leverage common connections that you have. And of course, you have a method to help leverage those connections. And here are the five things that you actually write about in the book. So the first one, um, phone call. You provide a bullet point uh, list that you want your common connection to consider when they call the prospect. Then you have an email introduction. You provide similar bullet points as you did for the phone call and ask them for them to copy you on the email. The third is a LinkedIn introduction and recommendation. So you have them introduce you through LinkedIn and have the common connection leave a recommendation for you so the prospect can see that on your profile. Four is meet for lunch and see if the common connection can set up lunch, happy hour, or coffee. And then the fifth one is golf or fishing or some sort of activity. So in, with Florida Risk Partners, you guys have two country club memberships and a dedicated fishing charter captain in the Florida Keys. And this gives you 48 hours with a prospect um, and you're the common connection. So first of all, if you work in Florida and you don't work for an agency that has two country club memberships, you should maybe give David at Florida Risk a call. And, and one of them is fat, man. One of them is <laughs> a good one. I'm not even going to pretend like it's not. Okay. Very good. All right. So of these five things, which is the most effective for you? And do you have any good stories to share about maybe playing golf or going fishing with the prospect that you can share with the loyal readers? Yeah, I've actually got a really funny one. Um, funny, funny, sad, and painful all at the same time. But you know, I think it's important to recognize that you know when I start going down this road, it's because I'm running out of options on my own. Okay. I am not a I am not a big proponent of if you're going to have a first meeting or you're going to be calling somebody or whatever else, immediately going out and pulling out all the stops to try and get that person because I think. You know, I, I try and put myself in the position of a buyer sometimes. If I'm the person that's the CFO or the controller, I want to make my own decisions. The last thing I need is my buddy that I play golf with or poker with on Thursday nights calling me up, you know, and saying, hey, look, you should meet with this guy and here's why or whatever else. I just I, I'm kind of funny about that. So I want to I want to make sure that I'm using my own skill set to try and get in. If I get to the point where that I cannot do that then it doesn't make any sense, right? So hmm. I'm not going to continue to use skills that aren't working. I'm going to pull out the common connection card. And so in that situation, then I'll have that person try and set something up. The The one that comes to mind is it, it was a it was a big account to $165,000 in, in revenue to the wow. end. Uh, it was the CFO and... We, I, I got him to agree to come out to a go, come out on a fishing charter with me. Mm -hmm. uh, booked it like a month in advance. Uh, we we actually were going out of Tampa at the time. We I didn't have my guy at the Keys, but um, <laughs> I had failed to look at my calendar when I booked it, and it was literally the day after I had my heavily impacted wisdom teeth removed. Oh, and so I'm like, oh, my God, I've wanted to be with this guy and in front of him. How long, you know, we got to make this work. And mm -hmm. sure, sure enough, man, I uh, I just sucked it up and bit down on the mouthpiece. And I, I went out on the fishing charter with him and I was hopped up on painkillers and just it was a wavy day. And I mean, I got to the point where I was getting ready to yak. Oh, and gosh. I'm like, there's no way I can let this happen yep. right now. And I, I talked myself out of it. Nice. But I mean, I was absolutely miserable. I got the account. That's the that's over, all that matters. Over, over time. But I was absolutely miserable for eight hours. And I've never been so happy to get home, take a shower, and get in bed mm -hmm. in my life. But I mean, look, man, I mean, that's just – that's a little cut from the cloth of what I've made from like, I'm not going to just roll over. I could have said, Hey, let's reschedule this for later or whatever else. That's not how I roll. I mean, you're right. Unless I would have had like an, a massive amputation or something like that. I was going to be on the fishing fishing boat. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, that's a great story to, to end this chapter, which leads us into the extra two minutes uh, for this chapter. So you write about how you will make a quick video after you've been rejected, which I hate saying the word rejected, but 
I, we need to come up with something else other than that. But so you make the quick video, you do this in front of the sign for their business. And in the video, you thank them for letting you introduce yourself to them, for being kind to you, for what an excellent job that the gatekeeper did. And then you go on to tell them that you look forward to speaking with them soon to set up a time to dive deeper. And as a bonus, you give a second extra two minutes for this chapter, which is about leaving a voicemail option through LinkedIn. And as and currently, or as of writing the book, you are batting a thousand using this method. So can you give the loyal readers, like tell them how do you do that in LinkedIn and maybe what type of message or voicemail that you would leave for them, the prospect through LinkedIn? Yeah. So I could go on for days about this, so I'll be very careful in how long I talk. But okay. um, with regard to the whole the whole LinkedIn thing, it, it's a very, very underutilized tool. A lot of people don't know about it, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not available on the desktop app. You have to be in the mobile app for it to work. And it's no different than if you've used the voice record feature on Facebook Messenger. It's basically the same technology. You're just recording your gotcha. voice and recording a message and sending it through LinkedIn's messaging platform. The reason why I like it is because it's much more personal, number one. And number two, if somebody gets one of those, they're going to realize it's a real person. Mm -hmm. The problem with LinkedIn marketing today is that you'll accept a request from somebody, and within 30 seconds, you're getting a litany of automated messages about what product they're trying to sell you. So my, my typical move if and and look, I know I'm connected to a lot of people on LinkedIn, and quite a few of you are probably listening to this. So I don't do it when I get a connection request. I only do it when I send the connection out. But basically, if somebody, if I send a, a connection request to someone that I'm trying to connect with, and they accept that. I'll just leave them a quick voice message and say, hey, look, I wanted to let you know I'm not the guy that's going to try and sell you anything or market to you. I just recognize that you're a business leader in Tampa Bay, and I wanted you to know that I'm a real person that that sent this information over. So um, that's really the only goal that I have. Now, if it gets to the point where I'm trying to get a hold of them or get in front of them, like say, for example, I've pulled the experience mod and their mod is high and I've not yeah. had any success. I will go to LinkedIn and have done this and say, hey, look, I've been trying to get a hold of you. I want you to understand, you know, I use this as a last resort, but your experience mods going up by like 35 points and I have the ability to help you. I just need to get you on the phone for a couple of minutes to be able to talk through what we do, how we do it. And I, I promise you, it's not a high pressure sales gig, but you know, this is important because it's a lot of dollars on the line. When's a good time for us to talk? And I always get a response back. So um, it, it's 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 really surprising that people res have responded unanimously to that method of communication. Um, but it, it works, man. It works really, really well. Well, it's definitely something that I think all the loyal readers need to consider implementing in their efforts. So well, it has to be done right too. Right. It, it can't be stupid. You know, it can't be salesy or marketing oriented. You're basically leaving a message to validate your existence, that you actually are a, a human being. You're not mm -hmm. a bot that's reaching out to them and you know that you're just there to network and do everything else. If you do that the right way, if you're if I mean, you're never going to have to solicit somebody on LinkedIn because they're going to know what you do. They're mm -hmm. going to follow you. I mean, without fail. Now, with in my life, it's bifurcated, right? I've got Florida Risk Partners, then I've got Killing Commercial slash Extra Two Minutes, and right. I don't really do a ton of content sharing and things with regard to the agency on LinkedIn because I really haven't had to. Probably an irresponsible thing for me to say because I really should be, but I, I spend the majority of my time basically sharing content about either extra two minutes, power producers, or killing commercial. What I can tell you is every single week, without fail, I have at least 15 to 20 messages from people who have followed my content on LinkedIn, reaching out to me saying, hey, I just want to let you know this video was awesome. This blog post was great. Listen to this episode of the podcast. And I actually used what you recommended. And the next day I went out and wrote an account. To me, that, that's 
like the best ever. Like that's what I want to hear. That's why I do it. I put the content out for people to learn from it and be able to replicate and use it. And so I appreciate hearing those things. Um, so if you guys aren't using LinkedIn, you're yeah. missing the boat. Well, that, that. that harkens back to the very first episode that we did where you said that, that, that that's what you want to be able to help people getting that uh, thank you or that story about how you were impactful in there. I'm nothing if not consistent, John. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Well, thank you once again for being a guest today. I know the loyal readers definitely learned something. And if the only thing they learn, um, this final thing with uh, LinkedIn. Um, So this puts us more than halfway through the book. And in the next episode, we'll be discussing setting appointments. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at josh at agency-intelligence.com. And thank you, loyal readers, for downloading another episode of Explain This Book to Me, where I sit down with authors, thought leaders, and visionaries to explain the book to them and have them answer questions that I have. Remember to be safe, be healthy, and love everyone. This has been Josh Lipstone with Explain This Book to Me.